With protests over police brutality and racial inequality taking place all over the country, let's take a look at how the police are using social media and why it's prompting its own questions. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is CNET social media reporter Queenie Wong. Thanks, Queenie, for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you've got a piece looking at how the police have used social media, both traditionally and during these protests. What did you find? I mean, there are various ways that police have been using social media. A lot of it isn't new, but the environment that they're in is new. So they've been using it to basically push information out to the public, tell them about, you know, curfews or traffic blocks. They've also been using it to solve crimes or identify potential criminals during protests that are either you know, potentially looting or setting fires to things, even though the protests have been mostly peaceful. And the third use case is that they've used social media to create this almost public image where they're more of a ally than a foe. Right. And so let's narrow in on some of these uh, specific uses. Let's start with using social media to identify potential suspects, folks who have been looting. Given the environment, how has that gone? I mean, in some cases, it's actually worked. They've received tips from the public, like in the case of Jake Paul in Arizona. He's a big social media influencer. They're able to look at videos posted on social media that identified him at the scene of a mall that they they say was being looted at the time. Um, but in other cases, there's actually been some pushback from the public. Um, in Dallas, for example, there was an app that was used to collect anonymous tips from the public. And they sent out a tweet that said, you know, if you have any reports of illegal activity during protests, please submit it to this app. And you look at the tweet and there's about 2,000 responses. Some of it is pretty irrelevant, um, but there's a lot of Korean pop fans that sort of spammed the app afterwards. And there was also a lot of just irrelevant information, a lot of Korean pop content in response to those tweets. So as I was saying before, how the police are using social media may not be different, but the reaction and the environment that they're in is something that is is different from other protests in the past. Yeah, and the why why K-pop? Because uh, I've seen reports of that too, and I've seen that. Uh, sorry, apologies for the use of the word pop up, but uh, why why are we seeing this? Why K-pop? I mean, I think it's just K-pop fans. Um, BTS made a donation, I believe, to the Black Lives Matter movement. So they've been really pushing for civil rights during this unprecedented time. Um, It's not only K-pop, but there's also other content, but they just might be the most vocal. And they also have a really large presence on social media sites like Twitter, for example. So it's not surprising that they're seeing or they're on these sites and seeing a lot of this content. Yeah, and we, we tend to use the term social media as, as a general catch-all, but uh, is there one platform that the police prefer using over another? Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? I've seen them use Twitter and Facebook a lot just because of the reach. They have sometimes hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Facebook. And you have to also remember that Twitter... Um, 
is mainly used for a lot of real-time information. Facebook has a really large audience. Um, they also use Nextdoor. Um, I've seen police even use Pinterest um, to post, you know, lost items that they found, but it's, they don't really have a big presence. Um, I did ask them if they've been experimenting with new social media platforms like TikTok, but that's something they've been straying away from. Gotcha. Uh, I want to dig a little bit further into, you know, how they use social media for investigations, because I know it's been flagged by some civil rights groups for, for some of the things they've done in the past. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, n- not just right now, but really some of the technology that they've used you know, in the path of social media to help with their investigations? Yeah, I mean, it's social media is often used with another tech tool. Um, For example, in 2016, there was this social media monitoring tool called Geofedia, um, and that was using, you know, data from Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that caught a lot of you know, criticism from civil rights groups. Some of it was about the transparency and, you know, how forthcoming police were about how they were using this technology and what they were using it for. But there are also concerns that they were targeting, you know, activists of color, looking at, you know, certain hashtags. Um, and then, you know, there's always been sort of privacy concerns around just the use of social media and other tools, including, you know, facial facial recognition recently. Right. Like Clearview AI seems to pop up a lot uh, in, in the conversations now. Right. And then you've seen some tech companies actually sort of take a stance or be more skeptical about the tools that they're providing to law enforcement. So IBM, for example, said they were pulling out of the facial recognition business. I think this was on Monday. And then yesterday... Amazon said they were putting a one-year moratorium on the police use of their facial recognition technology. So you're also seeing a lot of tech companies be really more critical or skeptical of the tools that they're providing um, to police. But they're, you know, they're gathering images from various sources. Um, Some might be through a tool. Other times it's the public giving them social media posts to look at. And they can also just look on social media, look on the hashtags and see what, what's going on in real time. Gotcha. And, and we've, uh, you've talked a bit about the, some of the other aspects of uh, social media, particular, you know, how social media is being used by the police to, I guess, craft a narrative of what the police are. Talk a little bit about that and what they're doing now. Yeah, like I mentioned, one of the use cases is about creating this public image, almost that they're more of an ally than a foe in this case, that they're supporting protesters who are um, out on the streets peacefully. Um, You know, they have they've been sharing images of them kneeling with protesters, walking with protesters, um, talking to protesters. Uh, in some cases, that really has rubbed the public in the wrong way. You've seen people sort of respond, um, you know, with comments about, you know, why are you shooting rubber bullets at people caught in the crossfire and sort of the use of force during these protests. Um, So they are trying to create 
a public image that they are a ally versus a foe, but it's it's in some cases not really working very well. Right. The contrast between some of the, the reality of these instances, many instances of excessive police force, we've seen it uh, on numerous occasions over the last few weeks, doesn't really jibe real well with the message that you're trying to craft on social media, right? Yeah. I mean, it's also another reminder that what you see on social media is in some sense skewed based on who's posting the content. Um, you know, police also live stream, some of them have live streamed um, protests as well. And you look at some of the words being used and, you know, just the images across social media and the tone or the sentiment or what's happening during a protest can definitely seem different based on who is posting and, you know, what their vantage point is. So you've talked to a number of people for this story. I'm just curious if you got any sort of consensus or a way of suggesting to the police for how they should be using social media in an appropriate way, given these highly unusual times. I mean, I think a lot of the responses centered around transparency. You know, they said it's reasonable for police to use social media to solve crimes, but then the problem arises when you're collecting all this information on social media or through the use of, you know, body cameras, for example, and that is being stored somewhere and there's not a lot of transparency as to what it's potentially going to be used for. Um, So a lot of it has to do with putting the right policies in place. So their use of these tools is limited and being more transparent to the public about you know, what information they're gathering and how exactly they're using it. All right, that's a wrap. You can check out Queenie's story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, you can drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.